0: As a junior in high school, I wanted to do nothing more than to fly fighter jets. not really sure where the fascination came from, Uh, maybe because I had a great-grandfather who flew planes in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe planes were in the blood somehow. But whatever the reason, I felt like this is how I could live a life that mattered. And so wanting to pursue this passion, I began to apply to uh, go to the United States Air Force Academy. Visited with my congressman and my senator, interviewed with them, and they nominated me to go. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was awarded an Air Force ROTC scholarship to attend any university I wanted to in the country so that I could be an officer in the Air Force upon graduation. So I went to a school outside of Chicago, and as a freshman in college, I began working through a devotional called Experiencing God. And as I was working through this devotional, it it challenged me in a lot of areas, and I I found myself questioning my devotion to God. Not that I wasn't devoted in the the fact that I went to church every Sunday, I I participated there, I I lived a good moral life, had good Bible knowledge. You know, all those things we talked about, that list that that Paul gives in, in Philippians 3. Good family name, social status, Bible knowledge, religious activity, moral lifestyle, all those things that Paul counted as loss when compared with knowing Jesus. But here's the thing. I, don't, I didn't think I had, had come to a place of counting all those good things as loss. What I began to ask myself in working through this devotional was, had I made the decision to fully surrender my life to Jesus? Was I pursuing him as a treasure hidden in a field? When I asked myself that question, I had to answer, no, I, I had not. I had, I had not really surrendered. And with that, I began asking God what he wanted of my life. And he was good to give the answer. Now, let me ask, when you think of surrendering, what images come to mind? Maybe a white flag being waved, you know, as though it's some military battle and, and somebody's giving up. Maybe a cruel dictator enslaving people. Usually surrender is attached to a negative feeling, not a positive one. And I think this weighs into the challenge we find with people choosing to fully surrender their lives to God. And yet, a life that matters finds infinite joy surrendering to Jesus. Well, I'd like to take time this morning looking at what Jesus has to say about surrender. So if you have your Bibles, and I I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 23 to 26. So Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23, here's what it says. And he said to all, so this is Jesus speaking, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. A life that matters, it finds infinite joy surrendering to Jesus because he's the only thing that really satisfies Jesus satisfies those willing to live counterculturally. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Those who follow Jesus can expect to encounter opposition. Jesus was unreservedly committed to the purpose of God. And there are times, many times, in fact, that God's purposes are at odds with the habits, the patterns, and the powers of this world. We all know this. When a person fulfills God's design for their life, they may face hostility and even experience suffering. I'm not going to tell you that making a decision to follow Jesus will lead you to living a trouble-free life. Jesus did say, in this life, you will face trouble. He took it even further to say, blessed are the persecuted. That's crazy talk. Blessed are the persecuted? Let me ask you, what happened after Jesus suffered and died? He was resurrected. He experienced resurrection, but first came the suffering and death. And when he says, in this life you will face trouble, don't forget the second part of that verse. He says, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. So this series started in Philippians 3, with Paul counting everything else as lost when compared with knowing Jesus. Here's what verse 10 and 11 say in that chapter, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. When we think about being like Jesus, living like him, taking on his qualities, how many are voting to take on his sufferings? How many think, oh, that's the top of my list. I want to participate in his sufferings. But here's what Paul says. Here's why he wants to participate in his sufferings. He says, becoming like him in his death, that, so that, in order that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, this is a whole sermon in itself, but this isn't the direction I'm supposed to go this morning, so I won't. But just know that we're going to come back around to the subject of suffering. Because God calls the church to suffer. It's all over the New Testament. You can't read the Bible and not see it. And yet the American church works very hard to avoid suffering. And I would suggest that this is a major reason that the church in the U.S. is in decline. Avoid suffering, avoid growth. Embrace suffering, enjoy kingdom growth. I'll give an example of the church here. Was it easy to transition from what's now the left-hand turning lane in 231 to the spot here? Was that an easy move to do, just pick up your things and come here? No, it was a challenge. There, There was some hardship involved, and because of that hardship, the church has experienced growth. They've experienced newness in life. Again, too much to talk about here as it relates to suffering, but we'll come back to it. Even though you may face hardship by living for Jesus, he came to bring you life to the full. We see in John 10.10, the New Living Translation tells us that the purpose of Christ coming, the purpose that Jesus says he came is to give you a rich and satisfying life. The problem is, we have our own thoughts on this. We have our own expectations of what a rich and satisfying life is. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Weight of Glory, here's what he explains. This is in the introduction of the book, and I love how he starts it. He says, if you asked 20 good men today what they thought of the highest of virtues, 19 of them would say unselfishness. But if you had asked almost any of the great Christians of old, they would have replied, love. You see what has happened? A negative term has been substituted for a positive. The negative idea of unselfishness carries with it the suggestion not primarily of securing good things for others, but of going without them ourselves, as if our abstinence and not their happiness was the important part. So what C.S. Lewis is saying is, we think about denial, we think about giving up things, when really we should be focusing on serving others and providing for them. C.S. Lewis continues, I I do not think this is the Christian virtue of love. The New Testament has lots to say about self-denial, but not about self-denial as an end in itself. So it's not that we deny ourselves just for the sake of doing denial, we do it for a reason, we do it for a purpose, We're told to deny ourselves and to take up our crosses in order that we may follow Christ. And nearly every description of what we shall ultimately find, if we do so, contains an appeal to desire. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. And here's the best part. Don't lose me here. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Now, if you had trouble following C.S. Lewis, these old dead guys, sometimes I need a bit of an interpretation of what they're saying. Here's my summary of what C.S. Lewis is saying. As followers of Jesus, we have for too long been teaching denial when we should have been focusing on delight. We seek to satisfy our lives through the lens of what this life has to offer when true joy is offered us through the life God has designed for you. God desires to get you to your purpose, to your reason for existing, so that you are filled with joy. But the issue is, we often seek to avoid suffering. We seek to avoid really stepping out in obedience to what God wants. We want to avoid crisis and instead seek comfort. But why? Because we think we know best which means we don't really trust God. And living this way comes at the expense of our intended God-given joy. It comes at the cost of our future. Have you worked to insulate yourself from all hardship? Is avoidance of all suffering a priority to you? When troubles come, are you quick to seek comfort or do you pursue Jesus? If your focus is to be shielded from uncomfortable situations, you may be missing God's purpose for your life. How do you turn this around? How can you experience the joy that only God can bring in the future that he intends? You make a commitment today to bring glory to God with your life. I love John Piper's motto in Desiring God that he says, That God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. May you find satisfaction there. A life that matters finds infinite joy. Surrendering to Jesus because he's the only thing that really satisfies. And you were made to worship God.
1: It's really easy to um, see a child who's like throwing a temper tantrum somewhere, it's easy to look at that child and say, that child really needs a timeout. It's easy to look at, like a professional athlete, if they're winded or tired in the middle of a game, it's easy to look at that athlete and say, well, he needs to go back to the gym. He needs to go back to strength and conditioning. But it's, we're, we're not as quick to identify spiritual disciplines. For some reason, we kind of shy away from that. We're not as quick to say, that's a weakness. Certainly in other people, but for ourselves. We shy away from pointing out where we need spiritual growth. It's easy to be satisfied with what the world has to offer. But I want to talk a little bit about Zach and I's transition from working in the States and then moving overseas. I want to start by saying, When the world looks at Christians and what we say, it seems a bit off. You know, Zach's been talking about denial versus delight. That doesn't really make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to say, I'm going to give and receive. The process of God blessing us, it's a bit hard to understand. Give to receive? Why don't I just keep it to begin with? And the biggest one is die. We die to Christ so that we can live. These things do not match up point for point with what the world has to offer. So, 10 years ago, Zach and I were teaching. We had a great life, we had great jobs, we had a great church, we had great friendships but we were just left with a bit of dissatisfaction. We had this longing in our hearts to serve overseas. We answered the call to that, and our little family of three moved to Sudan. At that point, I truly believed that was the greatest point of surrender in my life. Now, I look back and say, that was just one point of surrender. The Lord has certainly led me to great points of surrender and living a surrendered life. But at that point, I'll tell you, I was scared. I was completely overwhelmed with the unknowns. We couldn't visit ahead of time. We were just going to show up. We were going to live with our friends for a little while until we could get settled. We sent a container two months before we left, hoping that container would meet us there or arrive shortly after us. But that container wasn't going to come for another four months. So basically six months of camping out, which isn't terrible. It's not the worst thing in the world. But I'll be honest, at that point, it was tough. I didn't want to live that way anymore. I wanted our home. I wanted to be established and set up. At first, I was shocked. I was shocked by the extreme poverty. I was shocked by the amount of refugees that were living right there in their home country. I was shocked with the heat. It was about 120 degrees every day. It was dusty all the time. Everyone spoke Arabic, which we desperately needed to learn. I left America feeling like I had something great to bring to Sudan. I felt like I was going to do something great in Sudan only to realize that the greater work was going to be done in me. It was tough. It was a tough transition. It was a tough time in my life. I wasn't satisfied with what the world had to offer, but I'll be honest, I got there and I felt like What I knew to do, what I knew to do to experience God and to find him, I relied on myself. It was in Sudan where I came to realize I had to do something very different to experience God with my life. No longer just a moderate amount of time with him or singing a song of praise. Everything was going to be very different. We found our purpose in africa we needed to find that change no doubt about it we allowed our weaknesses to be our motivation to really seek and find god we completely changed the way we did our devotions and now we actually call that our abiding time and it comes from that principle of truly abiding in christ we read our bibles we pray we journal we listen And we hear from God. We are forever transformed by our time of truly growing in God. We had to experience him daily to make it. We couldn't do this on our own. I went through serious bouts of fear, anger, resentment, loneliness, and desperation. As long as we look to the world, its trials, war, Poverty and current events, we will live lives devoid of purpose. The only purpose is found in Jesus, and you cannot discover that purpose without spending an extravagant amount of time with Him. You don't hang out with God hoping He will give you the treasure. He is the treasure. You spend time with Him until you realize that He is it. He is the treasure that we are searching for. He fills the void. He closes the gap. He is our purpose. As Zach and I grew in our worship of Jesus, we found greater life purpose. We came to realize that his great love for us is that what, that's what we needed and that he could be trusted. This was a huge factor for us. A life that matters finds infinite joy surrendering to Jesus because he is glorious. Zach and I came to know our glorious God. As I said before, we kind of went from a moderate amount of time in God's presence to an extravagant amount of time in God's presence. And that makes all the difference. We were doing our personal, personal worship. We don't just wait until Sunday to gather together and listen to worship songs and sing praises to God. We do that in our home. We sing and we praise God and we dance if we wanna dance. But part of that time with Jesus, Jesus is meeting with us and we grow in that experience and we long for that time with him. And in those moments, that's where the Lord is speaking to us and transforming our lives. Our passion for the Lord grew, and before we knew it, we were looking at our situation very differently. We started to allow ourselves to take on the mind of Christ and allow Him to give us our dreams. It was during this time that Zach and I developed our heart for the church and for church planting. We were still a long way off from seeing that reality, but at least we had hope for what God was doing. Most of my struggle began to dissolve because I felt so frustrated trying to force myself to embrace Africa and to make it work, only to realize God didn't intend for us to stay in Africa much longer. He was leading us to a new place, another point of surrender that would be very challenging in new ways but bring us to a place where our dreams and our passions would meet and church planting would become a part of our daily activities. My focus switched to delight in Jesus. I knew he could be trusted if I would just maintain an attitude of surrender. I wish I could encourage you by saying that this was a lovely experience, pain-free and simple, but that would be a lie. This time of surrender was very painful. The frustration was immense, and the pressure we felt was overwhelming. We had created a mold for ourselves as educators overseas, and now we're trying to say, we want to be church planters. This was tough. We were asking to do something differently based on what the Lord was prompting in our lives. We had to patiently wait on the Lord to move in many ways to help us get to that place. All the while, working and living lives of surrender and transformation. Transformation is tough. It's that literal reshaping from the Lord, and you have an active part to play. Sometimes God asks you to lay something down, to hand something over, or to walk away from an opportunity. Sometimes he asks you to pick something up, to start something new, to begin a new chapter. Sometimes, and what seems like most of the time for us, he asks us to wait, to trust, to serve, to endure, to persevere, all the while keeping the faith and finding delight in hardship, having true joy, Amidst uncertainty. So I say all this because surrendering to serve may bring you to a place of trial. And you may have good reason to doubt your decision to serve. But I want us to surrender to serve so that we can find his glorious nature Now more than ever, I'm thankful I allowed God to bring me to a place of delight in him alone and to trust him with my servant heart. You've heard Zach say the phrase, we say yes to Jesus, and we let him put it on the map. Six months ago, my map was the Middle East. Today, it's West Lafayette. I keep asking myself, how did I get here? The early days of our transition to CPC, in my abiding time, it was great and glorious. But when I started asking myself the hows and the whys, I would doubt God's leading and feel so much fear with the people we would leave behind if we took this job. I would have to go back to prayer and ask God for patience with my selfishness and my doubt. It was tough. I truly felt like God was opening a fresh door of opportunity for us if we would just surrender and trust. I allowed God to change my focus and my location of ministry, and I'm the better for it. My faith has grown by leaps and bounds in this transition, and God is still confirming and meeting with us in prayer and in vision for CPC. This transition has been truly amazing. But Zach and I feel burdened with a desire to share our experiences with you. One of the areas we really struggle to share is this one right here, surrender. We've had to surrender a lot of things to get where we are now. It's a lot of little things that make a profound awareness that we are not surrendered fully. To Jesus, I spoke with Zach about this uh, beforehand, and I want to challenge you in just a couple of things. What would you do if you had to go without hot water for the next couple of days? And I do realize it's winter. What if you made your grocery list, went to the store, and pretended everything on your list was out of stock? You literally took the time to walk through the entire store, only to go to the register empty-handed and go home with nothing. This has literally happened to us. It's a trial. What if you planned a family event in your home, and then right at that moment, you went to the power box and shut off the electricity? What are you going to do now? What if you planned a road trip? And just when it was time to leave, you walked outside, you slashed two of your tires, and then pretended you didn't have a second or potentially a third vehicle to use. Now, not only does this, you know, affect your event, but now it affects your budget. Now you have to pay for two, two new tires and potentially a tow to have your car taken to the mechanic so that it can be fixed. It's a frustration. One of the things that I wrote down, and I've really processed, because this one was really hard for me. What if you had to miss an important family event? I mean, overseas, this certainly affected us. You just can't be at at everything. But you can see things via Facebook. So you miss a family event, stay home, and then throughout the day periodically check and see what everybody's doing on Facebook. It's a trial. Now, all of these things sound a lot like denial, denying yourself. But really what we're supposed to focus on is always having the delight of the Lord. I could list so many things, but I hope you get the idea. Now, I'm not saying I handled all these situations full of the joy of the Lord. In fact, Zach just reminded me of my anger. When it was freezing cold in our apartment, I truly hated those cold, cold days. When it was time to wash the dishes without hot water from the tap, I had to boil it so I could have warm or, you know, even hot water. Sometimes I got a bit angry. I really allowed this to get under my skin. But it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. God didn't change because I had to wash dishes in a cold kitchen with cold water. No, I changed my focus from God to myself. There were many times I failed the test. But God was still committed to helping me develop my servant heart. I had to learn to be content no matter the situation. And I'm still learning this. You may find yourself in a tough spot serving others. Just remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your circumstances and your mood may change, but God is still holy and worthy and magnificent and glorious and lovely, and he's right there to help you find his glorious nature. In our lives. When we surrender to Jesus by serving others, we experience ultimate delight in Him. That's what serving is all about. It's stepping out in faith and finding delight in Christ alone. When you experience that delight, you grow in faith and take another step and another step and another step. And before you know it, you look back and you no longer have the faith of a mustard seed. You have tapped into the very heart of God that allows you to serve beyond ourselves and beyond yourself and beyond your perceived capabilities. Zach and I have worked through many layers of a surrendered life. I want our CPC family to live lives of complete surrender by serving others and to serve from a place of finding more of God and delighting in him as we serve. We can start serving right here at CPC. We don't have to go far away. Although sometimes that opportunity may present itself. We can serve right here. Today we are wanting everyone to prayerfully consider where they can serve our CPC family. Not focusing on what you may be giving up to serve, but rather going into a new service opportunity, expecting to find a glorious God who meets us as we serve others. It's not about denying ourselves, but finding delight in God as we serve
0: You know, as Shelly and I had gone to Sudan and then to Jerusalem, one of the things we talked about as far as our takeaway in coming back here, of course, Shelly talked about our experiences that we went overseas and we were committed to God, but man, we just came to a different place of understanding what that meant in that environment. But we have such a heart to try to bring that back here, and we don't know exactly how to do that. We can't load up in a jumbo jet as a church family, go to... Sudan, drop you off and just say, well, good luck, you know, force be with you, God God be with you, help you. Uh, It's just not going to happen. So we've really tried to pray through, Lord, how can we, in this environment where we're going to be surrounded by comforts and things, still find you as our treasure? And so we've really put this series together, trying to define and discern and discover that. And so one of the ways is through surrender, by serving others. One of the ways is what we talked about last week in sharing the story of Jesus, because it's uncomfortable. You really have to step out in who you are as a person to be willing to do that, to share his story. And so what we're trying to do is kind of move you beyond what's comfortable to maybe what's a little bit uncomfortable, so that you can truly find your delight, the delight of knowing and experiencing Jesus. Well, going back to my, my freshman year in college and trying to discern what God wanted of my life. That that question led me to transfer to Southeastern University, where I met Shelley. I graduated, we got married, we started paying off our school loans and teaching and and decided to follow the Lord overseas to Sudan and then to Jerusalem, had three kids along the way. And doing all of these things, we truly discovered that rich and satisfying life that only he can bring. And we want you to find that as well. So where we sit, we think that that can be found by sharing his stories, by, by being empowered to live his word, by serving others. Next week, we're going to talk about giving generously. And we're going to talk about abiding by praying daily. And these are qualities that we believe if lived out and lived out fully can help lead you to that place where Jesus is your treasure and you find your delight in him. So I'd like to ask you, have you been focusing on denying yourself instead of finding delight because there is a difference do you want to find delight in Jesus by serving others determined to find some opportunities today when you came in this morning there was cards on your seat it was an interest card on opportunities and ways that you can serve here at connection point church ways that you can serve the community, our faith community here, and ways that you can serve our community, our near neighbors, uh, those that are outside these walls. Places like the kids' ministry, that's, that's a place where you can invest in what is the future of this church, so long as Jesus doesn't come back, although we desire that to happen. There's ways that you can serve in food pantry by helping our families outside of these walls ways that you can serve on the worship team and and worship arts. There's lots of ways that you can serve according to how God has gifted you, given you your talents and abilities. Um, So we've got lots of places to do that. So if you would be willing to just look at that interest card and fill out one, two, and three, I'd love to serve in these three areas or potential places, your top three choices. And then we'll review those and follow up with you to provide a, a space for you to do that, to serve others. And in doing so, to be able to find your delight in the Lord. Because that's what Shelly and I ultimately did. We went to Sudan, not for our own sake, but going to serve the Sudanese people. We went to Jerusalem so that we could serve the people there. And in serving, it led to our delight in who Jesus is. So we want that for you as well. I was talking with some guys after the the chili cook-off, and there was a couple of guys that were in the back kitchen cleaning up. And one of them had said in the crock pot, He found a hot dog. He says, hey, look, there's a hot dog here. And the other guy in the kitchen with him just kind of walked out and didn't say much. So he thought, well, well, I'll just keep cleaning. He popped that hot dog in his mouth and, you know, just chewing it up. And then that guy comes back with a hot dog bun. And where'd that hot dog go? (laughs) It can be a delight to serve things and memories and experiences that you can only have as you're working shoulder to shoulder with others. So I encourage you, find a space, find a way to serve others today.